I'm Sandy Barker, romance author, and you'll find my books on the ABL Romance page. My stories are all romantic comedies set in beautiful locations exploring the theme of self-discovery. Once upon a time. Welcome to Australian Book Lovers. Your destination for imagination. Hello and welcome to everyone and a huge thank you for joining us for the Australian Book Lovers podcast, episode 14. Our mission is to bring fabulous Australian and Indigenous literature that spans a whole range of genres to book lovers around the globe, as well as fantastic resources and information for passionate authors looking to write their next bestseller. I'm Veronica Strachan, fantasy, memoir and picture book writer, reader and one of your co-founders and hosts for today. And I am Darren Kazanko, science fiction and horror author, reader, and one of your other hosts and co-founder of Australian Book Lovers. Very excited to welcome you all to, as Veronica pointed out, episode 14 and another fabulous edition of our industry podcast specials. Yes. So we are talking today to Teresa Smith. Teresa is the current team coordinator for a fantastic group of volunteers at the Australian Women's Writers Challenge. And as any of you who have heard our early episodes will know, the Australian Women's Writers Challenge, I'm just going to say AWWC from here on in, the AWWC was one of the key reasons why Darren and I were having the conversation about getting all of the Australian books together and one of the reasons behind starting Australian Book Lovers. Yes, and as far as energy goes, there is an abundance of it in this interview. And yes. you mentioned that it's an important uh, format when it comes to resources, and that is uh, absolutely true as well. Because not so much for authors, but for well, it is for authors. But as far as the the amazing work that Teresa is doing when it comes to arranging all of the author reviews in support in this instance of uh, fabulous uh, literature written by Australian women. And I think, you know, what a resource it's been going, as you'll discover, for, for nearly 10 years now. And just to hear the passion, the hard work that goes on behind the scenes, and just the, the amount of fantastic book lovers out there that uh, have jumped on board, continue to jump on board and support our fantastic literature by you know linking all these amazing reviews which ultimately is you know one of the uh, bread and butter holy grails of a of an author and so every review brings hopefully someone closer to discovering these fantastic works yeah absolutely and Teresa tells us about the history of the organization uh, what it involves how you can get involved and how it has really increased dramatically uh, the number of Australian women writers who are being read which is fantastic Yes, absolutely. And I think for all of our listeners out there, this is going to be a super fun episode. Uh, definitely hear a lot of passion coming through. Yeah. And I suspect that uh, by the end of it, there'd be more than a handful of you know book lovers out there that may want to jump on board and be a part of the fabulous Australian Writers 
So the Australian <laughs> Women's Writers Challenge. That's uh, it. That's why I was going AWWC. <laughs> yes, AWWC Challenge. Oh, no, AWWC. Yes, it yeah. is a bit of a mouthful from my end, but no, absolutely fantastic. I, I, I guess just a fantastic community for everyone out there, book lovers, yeah. authors, and just artists in general, and that, that want to support each other and be part of a very vibrant community that really is just moving forward in leaps and bounds. Yeah. Most definitely. You know, 10 years of supporting and promoting books by Australian women is a, a really significant part to play in the Australian writing and publishing industry. And it's only bringing fantastic things for readers. So the reader is the winner, you know, all the way through. Yes. And, and of course, you, you know, both yourself and I are also the winners because it's, it was an absolute pleasure and an honour to be able to uh, talk, Teresa. And, you know, as we slowly move forward and record more industry specials, it is, you know, it, for me, it's been very educational ride so far. I learned so much talking with Teresa. We've got some great industry interviews coming up, Dill, uh, as mm -hmm. well as uh, I believe we've got some great authors as well coming up. We've still yes, got uh, Phil absolutely. Hoare. Uh, uh, yeah, we've got Sandy Barker. Sandy um, Barker, yes. Uh, Sandy was part of our romance panel, but this is Sandy's very own uh, interview, which is fantastic. Uh, Phil Hoare, yeah, Phil's uh, full of information and, and lots of history and horror and, and detective stuff, lots of uh, interesting things on Phil's list. And then Lynn Webster, uh, one of the founding members of the 6AM Oz Writers Group, who is a fantasy author. So, yeah, yes, three so really good author interviews to follow this industry one. Now, Darren, I must have a little word with you, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that you missed out a couple of episodes. You didn't have your quotes ready. But when I caught up with read and with listening to that episode, yes. you might have snuck those quotes in. And they well, were, of course, Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. Well, technology does give uh, a little bit of leeway there to uh, transcend time, shall we say. Yeah, or to the editor goes the spoils, I suppose, I have to say. Yes, in this instance. Uh, but, Very uh, good. Yeah, so I, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be left behind. <laughs> That's right. We always have plenty to say. And Words are so important and it's, you know, we, we could talk for hours. And sometimes we do, sometimes we talk more uh, before we record, uh, you know, before we press the red button and then think you better get recording because we are just talking all about everything, you know, life, the universe and everything would be uh, pretty much... Starting point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Without further ado, let's dive into another industry special with Teresa Smith from the Australian Women's Writers Challenge. Yes, and to all of our fantastic, wonderful, exceptionally brilliant and magical listeners out there, thank you for joining us for another edition. Please enjoy this fantastic uh, interview with Teresa and we look forward to joining you again real soon. And hello to our listeners and a big warm welcome from myself, Veronica Strachan. We have a special industry interview today and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri land of uh, the Woiwurrung people who are part of the Kulin Nation uh, down in Victoria and of course I have with me oh sorry oh, I yeah. you're going to introduce our guest <laughs> <laughs> no and uh hello this is this is Darren Cousinco uh co-founder of the Australian Book Lovers and I am coming to you from corner country today and very excited to talk with our guest and our guest is Teresa Smith from the Australian Women's Writers Challenge. Yes, Hello, Teresa. Hello. <laughs> Hello, good morning. How are you? Very well. And where are you coming to us from today, Teresa? I'm coming to you from Durumbleland, 
and um, I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh, We were very, very thrilled to have you here because you may or may not be aware that the Australian Women's Writers Challenge is one of the reasons why we started Australian Book Lovers. I'd been taking part in the the challenge for a couple of years now and (laughs) was talking to Darren about how hard it was to find Australian books and we were talking about marketing and Darren's idea was wouldn't it be easy if they're all in one place and bingo, then away we go. So, yes, you can say, uh, you know, you are part of the instigation of Australian Book Lovers. That's fantastic Um, (laughs) and and really rewarding to hear actually uh, because it's always fantastic to know that not only are people participating in the challenge but um, that they can see that it's making a difference to their reading and course that has the positive flow on of making a difference to the authors who are writing these books and making sure that people get to read them and hear about them. Yeah absolutely. So Teresa tell us a little bit about your role um, with the challenge first of all. Yeah well I joined the challenge about partway through 2016 Mm -hmm. um, just as a participant uh, like most people are. Um, I also signed up to the emails. Towards the end of 2016 a lot of the team decided to move on because when you do run something that's with volunteers, you know, people can only give so much time, they move on to their own projects. Yeah. So Elizabeth Lewed, who was the actual founder and running the challenge at that time, um, put out a call out with a number of volunteer positions. And um, I had found it really rewarding to just be a participant of the challenge. I, I really hadn't analysed my reading much prior to that point. Mm. And like a lot of people who do participate in the challenge and they they say straight away, I didn't realise, you know, how much of my reading wasn't Australian women and now that I'm aware of it, you know, I'm, I'm making so much effort and I'm discovering all these books. Well, that was exactly the same for me. So I responded to her email um, being interested in a volunteer. So I initially became the historical fiction editor, which I still yep. am. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like my special role I I love historical fiction and I love doing the roundups and seeing what everybody's um reading each month Mm -hmm. but since then I've become the challenge coordinator Elizabeth's taken a big step back and so I run the team of editors um also the social media groups and just oversee any uh, new volunteers you know doing their inductions and making sure that everybody knows what they're meant to be doing so yeah it's been really fabulous I can't imagine not being involved with the challenge now, it's Excellent. just um, it's just kind of me. <laughs> I guess people <laughs> people now associate it with me as well. Yes, well, you were who I went to. Yeah, I thought, yep, she's she's the one to talk to us about it. So, yeah. can you tell the listeners a little bit about, I guess, the background to the challenge and what it actually is? Yeah, well, it is a challenge as such, but um, I guess it, it's kind of morphed also into an organisation, if that makes sense. So it is a challenge that runs every year where we say to, we challenge people to read and review. That's a big thing for us too. It's not just about the reading, it's about the reviewing. Mm -hmm. Um, Read and review books written by Australian women. And we have a blog which is pretty much a website but still called a blog, Mm -hmm. but it's got a database where people can link these reviews. It it started back in 2012. Um, Elizabeth had decided just there was some, there was some talk back then about um, gender imbalance and uh, women's fiction, or not sorry, not women's fiction, but women writers in general not getting as much coverage. Mm-hmm. And she decided to analyse her own reading and realise that she, like a lot of people at the time, had not been um, reading many women's writers. 
And when she went to her library even to inquire, the librarian wasn't really able to help her. There weren't many, wow. <laughs> many books, you know. Had it, it just all led to this idea then that she thought, why not uh, reach out and try and do something about it? And she began the challenge via social media, so Twitter and Facebook, using emails. She contacted booksellers, publishers, book bloggers, English teachers, etc., mm-hmm. just to in examine your reading and participate in this challenge. That was the first year. It was huge. Um, more than 350 participants Fantastic. Uh, joined. Um, the system that she had set up to list the reviews just blew out. <laughs> it wasn't. No doubt. You know, it well, was just you know, some familiarity it, there. <laughs> it was bigger than Ben-Hur, it was, and which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so from 2013 on, she decided to really formalise it and started the whole bare bones of what it is now where we're a team of uh, editors some of us are book bloggers some of us are not and we all have our special interests of areas and and focus on those we we rarely have editors swap genres we pretty much um, mm. the people that are in the genres that they manage do that because that's their area of interest right yeah so, um, you know Janine who does uh, history memoir and biography is a very big historian like she's got mm-hmm. that that's her interest area of interest and she does it really well mm-hmm. um same with um our romance editors that's very specialized mm-hmm. and usually all of the people who do that are bloggers who really concentrate on romance mm-hmm. um sue terry who's been with it from the very beginning is from whispering gums she looks after our literary and classics i can't imagine a better person for that role it's very much her area yeah so yeah it's um it's really good and and just every year now we've continued so that it's just, it's not really ever a question now of do we keep running the challenge? It's just what colour do we make the badges and <laughs> refresh the hashtag basically. Because yeah. it's gone beyond um, just the blog and listing reviews. We have really active Facebook group where the reviews can also be listed and that's people use that as a as a way of searching for books as well as the database. And then we also have a second Facebook group where people can share their industry events and and promote their books and that sort of a thing and and so Facebook and the blog is probably our main presence yeah but um we just see so many people participating each year it's really fantastic and it's a, it's a huge inspiration listening to you tell us about it considering that it did you know that the origins were back in 2012 so mm. many you know uh, ideas and, and little organizations that they struggled to make it through that first couple of years and and yet here you are you know well you're heading towards your, your 10th year so nearly a yeah. decade is just unbelievable and uh, i guess it's testament to the amount of determination that obviously has been uh, dialed up and, and never never slowed down since since its beginnings i think that i find um just from my own personal experience in the australian book industry that um it is rather close-knit and people are very passionate about their areas of interest Mm -hmm. and I think that that's I I think that even though we rely on volunteers our volunteers have always been challenged participants themselves so they're already very passionate about Australian women's writers some of them are women's writers themselves or they're librarians um, or they're book bloggers they're all people who love books and love the industry and they give it their all and I think that that is perhaps what makes a difference. Like the team of editors is just fantastic. There's a lot of effort that goes into managing the Facebook groups too to keep them very specific to their intent and mm-hmm. to make sure that they're always um, 
they don't they never waver from their focus if that makes sense and I think that that makes the groups a lot more solid and a lot more interesting for people because they know that if they're going to be in these groups well a they're going to be welcomed but also it's going to be what they expect it's not going to be off topic or this or that this is our rules this is what we do and everybody seems to kind of like just fall into it and it seems to create this stronger close-knit community that um that seems to be standing the test of time yeah what are your statistics like uh you know i'm not sure if you've got the 2021 Mm. but even if you've got last year's how many people were taking or Um, do you judge it by how many reviews that you get i'm not sure yeah well we do we do judge it by how many reviews we get um Mm. every year each genre will do a breakdown of of what their reviews, uh, you know, review numbers were and their reviewers and everything. I suppose rather than overall numbers for 2020, I mean, I've got um, a couple of indications of what they're like each month. Mm -hmm. Um, So like romance and crime and general fiction uh, are always huge. Um, We're talking about like 80 reviews a month. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, They're, they're very big. Historical fiction is sort of also big, but I'm a little bit more hanging around around about the 30 to 40 reviews. Right. But, yeah, the, so general fiction um, will get a lot of crossover, of course, with with crime and a lot of people will label something general fiction too if it's a bit of a genre bender, so that's why their numbers are high. But romance and crime are always been um, our most popular and I guess across the industry even that could be reflected in mm. fiction sales. Never yeah. really examined it, but to, you know, it, yeah. it's a possibility. It's, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. We looked at, um, we had a special romance panel, and the the sales in romance were just astronomical. And uh, two Australian romance authors that we had, uh, and one budding romance author that certainly reflected people are mm. voracious. Romance readers are yeah. voracious. <laughs> they are very passionate. But, you know, even in other areas, um, so, for example, spec fiction, and we've seen a really big rise in spec fiction over Yay. the decade <laughs> that we've been doing it. And our editor, Claire Louise Holness, like she, she's fantastic. Uh, she reads spec fiction herself, but yep. she's really inclusive in her roundups as well and really showcases a great mix of books. Even if she gets similar titles each month, she'll make sure that she's showcasing a lot of different ones so that people can, can get some ideas. So that's usually around about 10 to 13 reviews a month, which... While it seems small compared to romance and crime, it's actually pretty good for a niche area. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'll admit that I put one on my TV red pile because I got Claire's update just this Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's for adult spec fiction as well. Um, yeah. The kids in YA will have spec fiction in it too. Um, we, try and, we try and keep the kids in YA separate. So that the other, most of the time, the other roundups will just be for adult fiction. You might see some YA sneak in, but um, generally speaking, the spec fic numbers will be a little bit higher because of that. Um, Kids and YA, it's really interesting. Our uh, editor for that is Ashley Meekle from the Book News. She's really passionate about children's and young adult fiction. Again, perfect for the role. She's noted um, in the last year she's really seen a big increase in books for younger readers and children, um, especially the diverse and spec fiction titles. And YA has seen uh, a bit of a dip, she said. So ah, not really sure what that's about, but, yeah, so and that's interesting. Do, do you mind if I ask, Teresa, with regards to the reviews, which essentially for authors I think is pretty much the holy grail really besides the sale mm. itself, 
Um, yeah. So just um, for listeners out there that may may not be familiar with the, with the overall uh, process of your of your reviewing, yeah. is it essentially? So for example, if I read a book and and review it, do I link to a review? Where, for example, yeah. if I do a review on Amazon or or Goodreads or Booktopia or something, and then link it, or is it a a, a separate review? placed on you know either your facebook or your blog website no it's a link so you you can just do your review once uh wherever you would normally do your review Uh Um, goodreads is a a huge like we do have a lot of book bloggers participating of course but goodreads is a massive massive amount probably the majority of our reviews linked are from goodreads and we're starting to see a bit of um instagram lately too which is really nice oh that's great they can link their profile Mm. so um yeah, there's a on our front page of our blog um, in the drop down menu. It's just got link your review, and that's where you pop the book title, the author, the link to wherever your review is, and your name, and then you indicate what genre it's for. You can also put any other little subcategories, like whether it's YA, whether it's diverse, whether it's poetry, classics. Um, you can also indicate the publisher if you like, and then you just hit submit. So then us as editors, we get a table um, which we filter according to our thing. And if you've done any historical fiction titles that month, your review will pop up. I can hit the link and actually go directly and visit your review um, and and go from there, pull quotes from it, count it, list it, whatever I want to do with it for whatever fits the um, roundup that we're going to do each month. Wow, that's uh, very hands-on, very a lot of work. Yeah, we have a uh, fantastic person behind the scenes who helps out with the IT, which is really invaluable because there's a limit, <laughs> you know, when you when you have blogs and that, you do sort of become a little bit tech savvy, but there's a lot of stuff about it behind Deeper that I have no idea about. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> good to know that I can email someone and say, hey, what's going on here? Because with the... um having such a massive database attached to the blog, it does cause some IT issues at times um, mm. because it's a different type of blog. It's an actual living searchable engine mm. because it's saying that it's not just us who use those review links. People go onto our blog and can search for a title um, and any review that's ever been linked for that will come up and they can wow. choose to read those reviews. And that's how they can actually, which is the actual spirit of what Elizabeth was trying to create, is it's a resource. Our, our first and foremost, our website is a resource for people who want to look for books by Australian women mm-hmm. and want to read some reviews and find out whether they want to read it or not. And or maybe even we find that people use our site, you know, as educators, they might be looking for something to introduce into their curriculum and those kind of things. So, yeah, that's um, it is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and and quickly, uh, when it comes to, for example, uh, women writers, you know, out, out there in Australia, mm. um, do you does do you have much dialogue or relationship with authors, or can can an author contact you and say, hey, I, you know, I've just released this book? Is it like do you do any sort of cross promotion, or do you, do you work with authors at all, or really is it just um, mainly you know focused mainly on book lovers and readers? No, no, we we do work with authors quite a lot. Um, we, we will quite often get uh, comments through the blog of people who are releasing books. I always advertise, if, if they're seeking reviewers, I'll always advertise that in that other Facebook group where we oh, advertise awesome. events and that kind of a thing. A lot of it is publicists too. We'll get a lot of publicists, especially your small mm-hmm. presses, because they have different marketing budgets and they don't just have mailing lists of bloggers that they can send out to. 
So I will, again, advertise in our other Facebook group and say, you know, this is the book. Anybody wants it, contact it. But authors themselves um, are great supporters of the challenge. Uh, We have um, quite a few authors who have participated consistently for several years now. Kate Forsyth is a big, big promoter of our challenge and she always participates and reads and links her reviews. Um, She's great, Kate, yeah. Yeah, and she's not the only one. There, and there are quite a lot of authors, and their support. I mean, their support of their challenge is just as important as readers. I mean, they're readers as well themselves, mm-hmm. and you know that many authors will will advertise what they're reading and, and do that cross promotion. So, yeah, we do have a lot of influence. Uh, sorry, involvement with them, mm-hmm. and um, and I do appreciate that. And like I said before, we do actually have um, a couple of editors in the past and currently who are authors themselves within the genre that they are the editor for. So they bring something else to the table as well for us, which is really good. It's so important. As you say, the Australian industry is is quite small. Um, So helping each other, uh, Mm. hence us, you know, chatting to you and you're being very happy to chat to us. It's, It's fantastic. All of us supporting Australian readers and writers. So, yeah. Teresa, can you tell me in the time that you've seen, or I'm not sure if you, um, you know, are still in, in contact with Elizabeth, in the 10 years that it's been going, have you noticed a difference in, I guess, the, the gender bias in, in books? Yeah. I mean, well, Elizabeth still is the overall founder. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's very much um, still, still involved. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, it's for me, I wasn't involved at the start of 2012, so I didn't yeah. really note what it was like in 2012 mm-hmm. with books, although I can say that for myself. I certainly wasn't consciously reading books by Australian women back then either. Yeah. But in saying that, I, I sometimes think to myself, I probably wasn't actually reading books by Australians as much as what I do now. So the participation in the challenge is not only for me, made me read more books by Australian women. It's actually made me read more books by Australians full stop as a first preference. Yeah. We've got a nice website that you might want to go to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, Sorry. Yeah. Well, and I think that other participants might have seen that too. And and we have a lot of male authors who are consistently supportive of our challenge as well, which is fantastic. So it's not really actually we've never been about, you know, women only, not not yeah. at all. It's really about the Australian book industry. The Stella count has shown an improvement, and I guess that's where we fall back on and have a look at each year too when they release yeah. their figures. For me, I've just seen that every year since 2016 when I've been doing it, we're getting more reviews and more participants and more authors sharing right. uh, information about us and saying, you know, join this group, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're getting more and more requests for our Facebook groups, especially since the pandemic and lockdown because I guess people are doing a lot more reading. And we have a question, um, like a question screening for those groups just to make sure that we, you know, it's like a filter. Mm -hmm. And the most common answer to, you know, why are you wanting to join our group is just that I've seen, you know, the most common answer is I'm seeing myself wanting to read more books by Australian authors. Yeah. I've discovered this author and I want to read more. That kind of thing. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, yeah, I, I think I've seen myself an, an increase, but that's just like a layman's view. <laughs> yeah. any, you know, we I do rely on the stellar figures to yeah. actually, like, confirm that. 
And I know that they have been showing that each year. Your turn, Darren. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got lots of questions. (laughs) I'm trying not to overwhelm Teresa. Give her a minute to, you know, stop and have a little drink of water and ready to go. No, uh, what I was curious about was um, obviously you've got a massive reach across the country and, and, you know, possibly I'm sure you've got some international members as well. But I'm just wondering, have you ever been made aware of somebody out there, one of one of the members of, of your community that has said, hey, you know what, I wanted to write a book, but I didn't write a book for reasons X, Y, Z. But after seeing and be, your, you know, the work you're doing as far as the reviewing and the, and the community is out there, that inspired them to you know, step out of their comfort zone and write a book. So do you know, do you know if you've had any uh, of those you know, sort of heartwarming stories of, of uh, authors that weren't authors and, or didn't take the plunge until they saw the, the amazing support and uh, you know, tools and inspiration from, from your website and your blog? Um, yes, sort of, in the sense that, I mean, no one's ever come right out and said, yeah, I'm so inspired that I wrote the book. However, we get a lot of people joining the challenge and they say upon joining that they're thinking of writing a book or they're partially writing a book or they've written a book and they're almost at the end and they're seeking connection and they're seeking inspiration and they're seeking contact with people just to see you know, what is the next step and what have I done and is it the right thing and should I continue? We do see a lot of that. Um, I think that a lot of our challenge participants are budding writers or beginning writers or writers who have had the whole manuscript in the desk for a really long time. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, um, yeah, so most definitely because I think that having written before too, you do seek those connections not just because you don't know what to do with your manuscript or anything, but you're probably also seeking a little bit of validation, you know, like I've written this, is it something that people would want to read? So what are people reading? So you you look for all that sort of cues and our group is a great resource for that obviously because it has so many participants and they're all reading different things and, and telling everybody about it. Yeah, I think it sounds like just an amazing community for for authors, like you said, to, to emerge, especially because, because it can be such a uh, solo effort, I guess, writing. But uh, like you said, if, if an author is new or doesn't have those established relationships or or any sort of uh, you know general idea of how to move forward once that manuscript's all written, I think mm-hmm. it sounds like a you know beautiful thing to be able to reach out to you know join your group, you know connect with so many uh, you know book lovers and, and people within the industry. So I think that's fantastic. I can see yeah. why you're definitely happy to keep doing all that work. Well, it is great, but I mean. We probably our, our Facebook group, the Love Reading Books by Aussie Women book group, is definitely more active because that's where everybody is putting their reviews. Mm-hmm. However, the other group with the Australian Women Writers News and Events, I, I really try to um, actively look out for for things for budding writers for that. Um, so I like I follow a lot of different things um, as much as possible. But you know, if there's any prizes for um, you know unpublished manuscripts or you know, residencies going. I, I try and put all of that in that group so that all those people who have joined that looking for a resource for what to do next with their manuscript or their writing or seeking help and mentorship, um, anything that comes across, uh, I try and put in there so that they can actually look at that and know that, okay, well, I don't have to personally be following all these millions of things that I probably don't even know exist anyway. They will hopefully pop up in this group. So I just follow all the many millions of things that <laughs> and funnel in there for them. There are. Yeah. And there are a lot, but, yeah. yeah. 
yeah but you know generally if you if you're following the the different state you know state writer centers and and the organizations we've got our big ones that we follow mm. um and and other authors they all come through so i tend to try and and, and make that a resource for um people because i am aware that it is a small industry and and it can actually a little be sometimes that's great but it can also be hard to break into as well because yeah. you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do yeah that's so cool. So, so for listeners out there that aren't aware of, you know, obviously uh, of your group until now, mm-hmm. it's good to know that it's, you know, reviews play such a big part, but there's also resources there too, which is just you know, awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, part of what we want is, is for the Australian Women's Writers Network to keep growing with more writers as well as more readers and more reviews. Um, we want more writers too because we all want to re- keep reading our favourites, but we want to read new things as well, um, especially I've noticed in the last couple of years our reading for diversity has really increased too, and that's fantastic to see. So we just we also want to be at resource that encourages writers from all walks of life and at all stages of writing and, and make it so that there is some resources there to help them out if possible. I mean, there are writers mm. centres and everything that do that, but we just also want to just be able to provide that information and put them on the right direction if they need to as mm-hmm. much as we can. Mm. It's all about sharing, I guess, and making sure that all the information is shared and so that um, as many people can get what they want out of something that they that they can. Now, excuse my sarcasm for a moment, but, uh, but I feel as though the writing community should uh, inherit or steal the uh government logo of we're in this together because i think this is the only time i've ever felt like we're we're in this together everything else doesn't seem to do that so it's such a beautiful thing in in the writing community yeah you're right Teresa. you know it can be difficult to it's still difficult for for a lot of people myself included but but at the same time it is you know it's it's such a, a awesome community where people are just more than happy to help out in any way they can and that's how we build our knowledge it's uh especially if you you're looking to do things in australia because there's so much stuff overseas or you know um you know other other industries you know, that are outside of australia but as far as if you want to sort of have a, a bit of a majority focus on on the industry here and, and being an author and try to be a successful author um there's so much to learn and and all that wisdom and knowledge is a lot majority of, that i've learned and i've still got a ton to learn but it's come from you know awesome members of the writing community like yourself mm-hmm. Teresa and like Veronica and, and other writers so it's been great so yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's so awesome what you're doing I really encourage people who are writers um I assume you have a lot of writers that listen to your podcast but I really yes. encourage them to um look at the within their genre to look at the support that's available within that rather than sometimes looking at more generic support too so for example if they're romance writers the romance writers is of the Organisation of Australia is really invaluable and there's um, Sisters of Crime, uh, there's the Aurelius for spec fiction. There's a lot of things that are just within genre too and they're the sort of things that I try and follow as much as possible and put into our group so that people see these things. But, um, yeah, I really do encourage people to reach out to those individual organisations mm. because you will get more specialised help for sure. And people that speak the same book language as you. Yes, yes <laughs> very much so. That's right. And, you know, as being such a small writing industry, you do see there are very big differences between crime writers and romance writers and literary writers. The support available varies. The prizes vary. 
And, um, yeah, it's probably good to try and find your tribe as well as being a part of the mass. <laughs> yeah. Very good advice. So, Teresa, can we just go uh, a little bit further into the diversity that you're supporting? Because I think this mm-hmm. is absolutely brilliant. So let's go Indigenous women writers first. One of the parts of the challenge that I have in my mind, and I also try and read more Aboriginal women writers as well as just Australian writers. Have you noticed an increase in that uh, section of, yes, of books coming definitely. through? Yes, um, and I I think that that can be attributed in part to some of the books, uh, such as Too Much Lip winning mm, that was fantastic. awards oh, Melissa the Checker. Yield. <laughs> yeah, the Yield. Read that one. Love that. <laughs> um, when these books win awards, people yeah. read. Well, yeah. When any book reads and wins an award, yeah. we will see a massive increase in reviews for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when books by Australian women who are also Aboriginal writers win awards, it's the same thing. We see an increase in it, but we mm. also see an increase in other books written by Indigenous women as well, which is fantastic because I think that it makes, well, I mean, I know myself when I read The Yield, I mean, it was such an impactful novel and it's really, really stayed with me. Yeah. Um, it, it gets you thinking, uh, it gets your mind thinking and you well, for me, it, it made me seek out more work, not just from that author, mm. but more own voices stories, more stories about our past and about about the culture that I may not have up until that point been able to appreciate quite as much. So I see that across the board. We definitely see that. And I would attribute that to the prizes and then, again, extend that to just reinforce how important it is for literary prizes um, for authors because mm-hmm. it's not just about the prize itself. It's just about that actual recognition of their work and then all of a sudden it gets out there and people know about them. And like you said, it's not just about the prize itself, but but it is right. essentially it's shining a light on something that or illuminating something that people might not have realised has been sitting there all along. And yes. uh, you say, oh, wow, oh, I didn't know that. And then... And that's what the Stella Prize does we mm. we see um from the moment that the long list is released uh all of those books will start popping up yes. as being reviewed um the short list again we will see an increase again and i would anticipate that we're going to be seeing reviews for the bass rock coming in for the next couple of months as well okay um, i bought it on the weekend picked <laughs> <laughs> well, it know, up in queenscliff couldn't help herself <laughs> Yeah, and, and you wouldn't be the only one. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely, like you just said, Darren, that awareness is probably just as valuable as any prize. It's- so, and writers with uh, a disability as well. Mm-hmm. You've got a, you know, a fabulous list um, on the website and uh, certainly you've got Anna uh, Watley there. Uh, sorry, yeah. Waitley. She'll come with saying her name wrong because she's one of our writers on Twitter, uh, oh. it was just amazing to read her book and to just, in the same way as reading, you know, uh, Tara June Winter's Yield, it just mm. opens up a perspective of the truth or the reality for other people in the world that being a speculative fiction writer, um, yeah. I don't often look at and having never, well, not done more history than, you know, the, the British uh, invasion, I guess, is that I never never even entered my mind that that was part of me needing to lessen 
my innate racism is to look and see mm-hmm. what, you know, the truth of those kind of things were. So in that same way, yeah, reading about diverse characters in books, it's just, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and our diversity section is, um, well, it's twofold. We like, we are supporting authors who themselves are diverse, either through disability, um, lesbian, queer, Indigenous, just it, it's not it's the authors but then it's also about books with those themes and sometimes that will cross over mm-hmm. but sometimes it doesn't sometimes you know it will just be the book but um it's a twofold thing uh we had a jessica white who was an author um in australia she's written hearing Maud recently she was our uh, disability editor for many many years and she compiled those lists that are actually on our database uh, on our website there mm-hmm. yeah the women's queer and lesbian writers and the women with disability as a as an additional resource um, where you didn't just have to go and look for the books in the same way. You could actually look for the authors and then where available you can hit that and go to the author's website or another place where their work is. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of her, her nurturing um, since she has moved on to concentrate on her own writing and, and academic career. Um, we do still keep maintaining that though. Mm -hmm. So regularly there are people who will list themselves and say that they are a writer. This is their area of diversity. So we list them and we put them on there. Um, Rebecca Boyer, who has taken over as the editor for that, she's really fantastic. Um, She reads a lot of diversity herself. Mm -hmm. Um, She's really across what people are reading, what books are coming out. Um, She's really terrific. Mm. And she's very good at, at showcasing diverse diversity if that makes sense (laughs) so that you know we're not just concentrating on okay it's only always about these type of writers I'm never getting heard she really does try and and spread it around and make it really um a resource because I think that's actually one of our biggest areas to be honest the diversity um we get like it seems like a small area if you count the reviews but it has been growing a lot. But I think it's growing in importance as well. Yeah. Um, and in the consciousness of readers, and they're actually seeking to find out for those experiences. You know, I know myself, there's been some different books that I've read, which I've read specifically to find out about that writer's experience. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. From their own voice and from their own experiences rather than reading it. And incredibly important for people to see themselves in books. And, uh, you know, this sort of comes up again and again is to people want to see themselves on the movie screen and they want to see themselves, you know, in in telly uh, and they want to see themselves in books. So we spoke with um, Gary uh, Lonesborough, who was our first podcast, and he talked about the fact that, you know, he just didn't see himself, you know, an Aboriginal gay teenager. (laughs) There weren't books out there. Um, whereas now there is and you know so many other um, teenagers who are in that situation can go ah okay there is a book out there for me yeah our young adult you know this is a lot more books for diversity for young adult readers too and mm-hmm. even children so um, that's been really terrific to see as well and Ashley our children's and YA editor she's very very passionate about showcasing diverse works as well reading them herself and making yep. sure that they're that they're well known so she'll always pick out so the diverse diversity roundup stands alone on its own but we will have titles of diversity that will pop up in YA and probably in classics and literature as well I I can't imagine a greater 
medium than than a, than a book for members of the diverse community to have a mm-hmm. voice and to and to reach out and uh, let their story be heard. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got YouTube, which is uh, video format, but even that is, you know, watching something you you may watch for five minutes unless it's a movie or a documentary, but you know that you, you get your attention for a little bit, but it's very different experience to sitting down with a book and actually contemplating sentences contemplating situations experiencing emotions and I think you know with with today's technology it comes at a cost of course where there's a lot of negativity I suppose but the positives are that you know there's nothing stopping you from writing a book and getting it out there there's and because of that I think it's been you know because those people have been able to honestly people you know members of the diverse community or anyone in general because that power to put out a book is now in the hands of everybody, it also means the power of the reader to discover new things. And then for a lot, I think it's what's wonderful over the last few years, from my perspective, I think what I see is that the the diverse writers are discovering that, oh, the readers do enjoy reading those mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. So, and that promotes more writing and then promotes more reading and, and voila, you know, so I think, whereas I, I don't know if that would have been possible you know, 15, 20 years ago before the idea of publishing a book yourself or yeah. or having access to all the different literary agents and publishing small indie publishers, et cetera. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that was something that would have been possible back then. So, And, and of course, the, you know, the Australian Women's Writing Challenge is such an um, important feature of that technological leap and, and putting that sense of power out in, into the writing community. Yeah, and I, I think... I mean, you're right. I, I think that um, if you look at small pes- presses and, and self-publishing, uh, I think that's actually put pressure within the industry and with the big publishing houses to actually have more diverse lists. So that's why we are seeing that across the board now, I think. Um, and you, well, you don't necessarily have to self-publish a book anymore because readers, I think, have demanded that varied lists Mm. they don't want to read all the same thing they're looking they're looking for these stories that are from different writers whether it be that they're looking for disabled writing experiences or indigenous writing experiences or queer lesbian gay bisexual all of that like you said people are looking for a lot of different types of things not necessarily for something that mirrors themselves but maybe for something that mirrors something that's going on with someone else in their life. You know, people mm, definitely mm. do look to books for that. And I think that the major publishing houses have had to pick that up as well. Mm. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's a fantastic thing. Oh, yeah, 100, 100 We have 100%. always tried to support small presses and self-published authors as well as much as possible. But I've really noticed since I began with the challenge that the range of diverse books coming through are not just limited to self-publishing and small presses anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really starting to be picked up across the board, which is just, it's only great. Mm. Yeah, That's a sign of the voice getting louder, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a sign of the appetite uh, getting greater and obviously the, the demand for a greater palette when it comes to choosing a book is I think they're ripping up the old menu in the restaurant saying, <laughs> I want that food. <laughs> You'd be serving the same grub every day. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, you will find a lot of writers too. I mean, I guess that's just this is just the next step on from where women writers probably felt like their books weren't being published as much. Whereas now I would say that, well, I mean, as a book reviewer, when I get the publicity emails through about what's coming on, it's pretty evenly split between 
books written by men and books written by women to say that they're being published. So, you know, I guess that, that you know, we've done that and now we're doing we're doing this, you know, yeah. and, and there'll be something else that we need to find more books on soon too, I suppose. And the missions continue. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully the more that the more diverse and the more greater range, the easier it makes for everybody to be able to break into the industry and for readers to get to be so spoiled for choice. Can I ask you, Teresa, your thoughts about, I, I had a, an article from the, the Guardian, it was about 12 months old, but talked about the the Stella count, which you mentioned is Australia's mm-hmm. kind of answer to the, the VEDA count, you know, looking yeah. um, at women's representation in literature. Um, so when I kind of looked into it, the Stella count uh, looks at about a dozen journals and uh, newspapers and, you know, major newspapers and, and book review journals. And yeah. while the count had come up to about 50% in nine of the 12, and this was in 2018, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, what the person they spoke to, and I can't remember the the name off the top of my head, I think it might have been somebody from Monash Uni because I think they helped them. Um, mm. What this person said was that there's still um, a partitioned criticism of, that was mm. significant for women. So, you know, the books by men are kind of considered a bit more serious, even if it's the same mm. subject matter that a woman yeah. is, is is writing about. So, um, you know, if, if a man's written about family, oh, that's, you know, good. Whereas if the women's written about, well, it's just women's stories. Um, it, do you still think there is that partition criticism? You know, do you get many men uh, on your website? I guess that's a one way to look at it. We, we do have men that are participants um, putting in the reviews on the website. We also have probably more men who are unofficial participants um, in the terms of like sharing stuff on social media and that right. kind of a thing. Yep. I, I do I do in many ways uh, agree, though, that that exists. Um, and, and for me, one one thing is uh, I, have a, I have an issue with book covers. Mm-hmm. The differences of book covers between women writ- books written by women and books written by men. Ooh, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely expand on <laughs> that. Again, too. on the same topic, you know, like you said, though, where you might have a book written by a man that's written about family issues mm-hmm. and men do write books about that and a, a book written by a woman on family issues. Like the colours are going to be very different. The, the one by the man is probably going to be more, more serious and grave and the one by the woman is going to look like women's fiction. So it's already being stereotyped as a book that is written by a woman for women, mm. probably less serious. It's probably chick lit. Yeah. And, I, you know, I have big issues with that. Um, I'm a member of a lot of different book clubs on Facebook. I won't name and shame any of them. <laughs> there is a couple of groups in particular that I, I don't like the vernacular and the language that's used sometimes um, with regards to certain books there's been some books there that I've read that I find are quite serious written by Australian women and have tackled issues in in very serious ways and have been really insightful and eye-opening and they've been called chick lit in oh, some really? of those groups mm, mm, and I feel like that is just I mean I hate that term it's the most disparaging term because like where there is no comparison for a book written by a man like there's no guy lit or anything bloke lit (laughs) there's nothing it's just like it's literary fiction yeah that's chick lit and i don't like that because yeah i I feel it's dismissive i feel it's dismissive and i feel it's also a very broad dumping category which isn't necessarily reflective and you will find there will be um do you think they actually um, even read the book 
Well, did, did they read the book? Why? Yes. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> probably, prob- not. probably not. No. <laughs> probably not. You know, it's like one of those people that pretend to read the classics that they never have. So <laughs> <laughs> they've seen enough quotes on social media yeah. that they can get away with it. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Magic Dick yeah. had four legs, didn't he? <laughs> I, I get where they're coming from with that um, that stellar article and in saying that because yes, yeah. I do actually still think that there is perceptions that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing with the stellar count that, uh, and they obviously couldn't count everything, but I do think that aside from the journals and the newspapers and the reviews, that's what they're counting. Other sides of it, like all of the social media and the blogging reviews, and uh, which are of Instagram with the Bookstagram, uh, mm-hmm. Australian women are seeing their books reviewed a whole lot more there. Yeah. That's not counted by Estella because it's almost mm. like a type of thing to count. Mm. But um, I think that if you did count that, you'd probably see the percentages of the reviews a little bit higher than what they end up. But yeah. that doesn't mean that those perceptions don't still not exist. Yeah. Sorry, and I should no. say I found that uh, the woman's name, I'm sorry. So Julianne Lamond is not from Minas. She's actually from the Australian National University. And mm-hmm. both of those unis do the count. So, yes, apologies to yeah. Julianne. I couldn't find your name there with my scribbles, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all well, good. But um, when it comes to, sorry, when it comes to, you know, this transition, say, from 2012, but uh, and, and with that, I, I guess, obviously, there's going to be still trolling and whatnot online and some people are just idiots in general. But uh, yeah. as far as... Um, you can't help that. <laughs> no, no. Well, they can. They just choose not to. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, for example, I, I think, you know, mainstream media is slowly but ever so surely losing its grip and, and is, is yeah. becoming very insignificant uh, to the point where I can't remember the last time I've actually even just watched a normal TV, um, mm. you know, and if I do, as soon as one commercial comes on, I'm either furious or laughing my head off because I think, you know, who is actually watching or listening to any of this stuff? But do, you think, do you think that uh, because things are moving to a more open platform, um, do you think, you know, those issues regarding biased amounts of reviews or, or biased even uh, conceptions, uh, conceptualization. Sorry, of women versus men's literature. Surely that must be, you know, moving in a positive way now. I, I do look. I do think it would be changing definitely. I think the biggest thing for me is, I just think the industry needs to let go of the whole title of women's fiction. They need to just look at it by genre, not by like women's fiction isn't a genre. There is no such genre as women's fiction. That's why we don't have a women's fiction editor because it doesn't exist. Mm, that's a really it's good fiction. point. It's literary fiction and general fiction and, and crime and romance and so forth. You know, it's not, there's not a women's fiction because there's never a men's fiction. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, I think it will never truly stop until the industry gets rid of that and that's got to come from the industry because publishers are still releasing books as women's fiction and booksellers are then still having sections within their bookstores called women's fiction. That needs to go. And I think that once that's gone, we can have, and I'm talking about fiction here, we can have fiction on an even playing field where it's just compared by genre and type instead of who's written it. Because Mm -hmm. invariably, unless you're Nicholas Sparks, most women's fiction is written by women. And I, I just find that for me, I just feel like, you know, that that will be the biggest point at which we can leave that behind and mm. which there's not those perceptions anymore. Because once you take that out of the conversation and it's not a category as such, people won't talk about it anymore. They will just look at the books, I think, based on their merits of genre and, and that kind of 
And and I because I do think that having something and with the industry calling it women's fiction, I think it just makes it hard for women writers who are writing books to not be pegged into that. They're not having their books looked on their own merits. And, yeah, um, I think you're right, and I think there's a very big distinction between the term, uh, say, Australian woman or women writers, as opposed to women's fiction. Yeah, so, you know, two very distinct things. And I come, I, I have to admit, I've come to this whole conversation, I guess, and this whole concept with uh, with my head definitely uh, still got sand behind my ears from being deep down in that sand. Um, you know, I was talking to Veronica a bit before podcast because I, I read so many books. Well, not lately because I've been doing the podcast and the and the uh, in the website. But but in general, I just read so many books. And and uh, whether I'm purchasing online or whether I go to the library to borrow, um, I don't. You know, I'll have a look at the title. Yes, the cover might play a part, but depending on my mood, and I'll flip it on the back and I'll read what it's about. Uh, I can't remember ever looking down at the author to see if it was written by a man or a woman it's just completely yeah. just it's uh it's invisible to me because it, it makes it has no impact whatsoever for them that, but that's me speaking personally yeah uh, so do you think it's um you know with this this issue uh, well this predicament of women's fiction becoming a term where do you think it sort of originated do you think it was something by the publishing company themselves do you oh, think it's, it's uh, a marketing tool marketing yeah. tool it's, it's yeah. an absolute marketing tool because it matches a lot of the covers that we see too um, very, very, very popular cover within Australia is the picture of a woman on the front, you know, I dress for the era of where the book's set or something, you know, it's either looking over a shoulder or looking at the, you know, I think we just need to be a little bit more innovative with with covers as well. Um, they don't. So, need, yeah, I mean, you don't go and pick up a Tim Winton book and there's a picture of a woman on the front, do you? Even if the main character is a woman, which he has written books about for where he's got a main character as a woman. It's just not like that. So it's all it's all about marketing and I guess it's capturing that, you know, the, they've got people employed who look at who are their main readers of these type of authors and everything, so they're designing it like that. But I do think it's kind of a little bit harmful to the industry though and I know it's very frustrating to a lot of women authors who feel like their work is being overlooked or being disparaged as simply being women's fiction and they're not being taken seriously. I've also seen, uh, I've read some really... Um, terrific books by women writers who have been bundled into that commercial fiction, women's fiction category. And I know that there's some of our editors, even within our challenge, who I've said to them, oh, have you read this book by, you know, this author? Oh, no, I don't think that's really my sort of thing. I mean, check out the cover with the glamorous woman on the front. And I've had, and I've said to them, it's not indicative of the book at all. So there are many of us who are, I guess we can be cover snobs and we can go, I'm not reading that. I'm looking for something serious. And a serious book is overlooked because it's been marketed as women's fiction. So, yeah. But it's such a tricky situation, isn't it? Um, for, <laughs> because, for example, for romance, a genre that I'm not overly familiar with, but yep. if you ask me, you know, what I, in my mind, what I perceive, you know, what I imagine as a romance cover, you mm. know, obviously I have a pretty generic image in my head. And if I go on to online and have a look at a romance collection all the latest releases 90 percent of them will match that generic idea yeah. in my head but yeah. the, the catch-22 is i guess if you're a romance author it, you know it's the biggest selling genre out of them all mm. would you you know does a publisher say let's break that mold but then possibly completely eliminate 80 percent of your sales because is it the publishing it's a, it's a catch-22 in the sense of is it the publishing company 
manipulating the audience or is the audience demanding or at least shaping the covers and therefore, you know, leaving, for example, publishers uh, mm. no option, but if they need to sell and, and make money for both themselves and their client yeah. to promote to that audience. It's such a tricky one. And I'm just curious of your thoughts on that with regards to covers. I think it's, I, I think that it's a little bit of both, what you mm. said, both the industry and the people. Romance to me is a little different because it's that's an actual genre and those covers are reflecting the content of the book in the same way that crime novels, you know, the covers for those usually reflect the mood and the theme mm. of those books. Mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. where it gets a little grey for me is in that uh, general fiction bracket. Uh, that's where you will see general fiction titles okay. which will ear towards the side of, of with their covers reflecting that they're that they're women's fiction when they could be actually quite for both, you know. And 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 then the way I'm saying this is that we have a lot of reviewers that I know just within Australia who are men and who read a lot of general fiction that is classed as women's fiction. And they sort of feel like they're fighting a battle all the time with each review to say, hey, Men, you can read this despite the cover because it's not a it's not for women. It's for <laughs> yeah. everyone, you know. And I guess it's in that general fiction area, but I also see it in historical fiction. Historical fiction within Australia is very, very commonplace now for covers to be just the woman on the front, mm. the faceless woman because she's got you know you see the back of her head, uh, the woman with her head cut off, and we're just seeing her cleavage. Um, and it can be totally unrelated to the book whatsoever because unlike romance, a lot of these historical fiction novels in general are are covering a lot of themes. So um, it's not quite as clear-cut as what crime and romance are with the mm. covers. So I think that's where I'm seeing with those books that are, that are classified as general and historical fiction and some literary works, um, they're being bundled in as either women's fiction and let's pop a cover on there that's appealing to women or more serious literary fiction that men would buy. And, I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for men. They're missing out on some great books just because of the the fact that they're being classified as women's fiction and having those covers on them. I think it's amazing when when men, and I see reviews of, of a book which would probably characteristically look like a women's fiction novel and a man's come out and said, this is an amazing book and they've written a review on it. Mm. I think it's great shows a level of like open-mindedness that they're obviously aware of what's going on too and that there's this whole level of fiction over there that they're missing out on. Teresa, I can see your passion for the goal of the challenge, which is supporting Australian <laughs> women's writers. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. That's probably why I'm still here. I <laughs> yeah, it's not something it's not something I tire of or, no. or waver on. But it's an evolving thing. We see yeah. Yeah, we see over the 10 years different things that that require notice, you know. Back in 2012, it it was actually getting women's women's writing reviews. Mm. Now it's a little bit like, okay, we're getting women writers' reviews, but we want more of different, you know what I mean? The the issues evolve. Like it's all around women's writing, but the issues definitely evolve and and we focus on different things. Mm. And particularly good support for even more marginalised groups, which are in your diversity portfolio so what is next for the website and the challenge have you got plans for you know the next 12 months or five years 
Um, well, we just want to keep on going, actually. Yes, yeah, that's um, a good thing. I've like been doing that pretty good so far. <laughs> I'd like to keep on going with um, as little change to my editing team as possible. So mm-hmm. if they're listening right now, they're not allowed to move on. <laughs> yes, well, Rebecca, we interviewed her a little while back and she was very happy to, with yeah. her. Right? She loved what she was doing. So, uh, yeah. No, we've got a good fit, you know. Yeah. Sometimes with volunteers it's a work in progress, um, but at the moment we've got a good fit and we've actually got all roles filled, which is mm. really good. Sometimes we have to do a bit of doubling up. But as the challenge has grown, I must admit it has been easier to find volunteers because yep. there's a lot of people, you know, who will be watching from the sidelines and mm. going, hey, I will give that a go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, our aim is to just keep continuing. Uh, I don't see, I don't kind of see a point where we would say, oh, we're not going to do this anymore and, and the website would just sit there obsolete. I, mm-hmm. I just think that, that would be such a shame and I can't envisage that ever happening, so... And, and I think you've uh, maybe you've taken on a mission without sort of, well, possibly intentionally, but I think the mission to eliminate that whole concept of women's fiction. Uh, yeah. May, maybe you'll be the champion for that. And uh, that, that would be I, mine. I couldn't imagine any other <laughs> better champion to do it. That's so. definitely a, an area of interest for me too. But, you know, I think that what the, the biggest thing to be celebrated and to reason to continue the challenge is just that community of readers. That's yeah. the biggest thing. There's a lot of people who are, especially with COVID and lockdown now and the world being so uncertain, we're living our lives from home and we're connecting more online. And if we're offering a community of like-minded people where they can talk about books or look for books to read and have this space um, where they can share share reading experiences I think that's fantastic and the same thing of being able to just offer some form of resource to both writers and readers alike that's a good thing you know especially as we live more increasingly isolated lives who knows when that's going to change so and Teresa if you don't mind me asking you obviously have a passion for historical fiction Um, and so you yourself do write what what sort of writing projects have you got planned or Got anything you'd, you'd like to take on when it comes to historical fiction and, and its uh, art form? Probably, like I'm. I to be honest, I'm more passionate about reading historical fiction and um, and reviewing it than writing it myself. To be okay. honest, um, mainly because I just have so much respect and reverence for all the research that goes into it and the meticulous details. And I think I'm slightly too lazy for that myself. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't think you sound lazy on this side of the thing. <laughs> lot of effort in no, no. Um, I just yeah for me I I kind of transitioned from a writer to a reviewer and I've really feel like I've found uh, my niche now with Beautiful. that Beautiful. Um, I really you know being a reviewer is a form of instant gratification as well you know where you can sit down and write a piece and put your heart and soul in it and tell you what everybody what you loved about the book and then you can publish it and then you can move on mm. it's writing a book is uh, Yes. very very it does go thing. on and on yeah. <laughs> and a, you know it's a ball and chain but the ball's got glitter on it I guess. <laughs> and i guess you know as writers um we all evolve and change and sometimes we write one thing and then we move on to write another so for me i guess it's more i've got that more media focus now um where i'm writing reviews i love writing I really love writing like little opinion pieces about the book industry whenever I get a chance. And I also really enjoy interviewing authors. Um, it's always great to sit down and have a chat with an author and, you know, pick apart their book and their work, their writing process and that sort of a thing. It's That's fascinating. always fantastic as well. Yeah. 
And I think and, reviewers are, are, have to be the most one, of, if not the most important part in the whole process, because it uh, is the voice to to get authors' works discovered, and and it also informs people what they can you know look forward to enjoy, or yeah. when, when they open a book. Because without a reviewer, uh, obviously that's the holy grail for writers is to get as many reviews as they can. So your role is uh, so important, probably more important than anything else, because without uh, reviewers like yourself, then our books just sit there completely unknown. There are, we do have some absolutely fabulous reviewers um, within the social media community and Bloggingverse and, and Instagram. I keep calling it Instagram, but I suppose I should be calling it Bookstagram. But um, <laughs> we, we do just have some really excellent reviewers, um, people who put a lot of effort into marketing books uh, for nothing yeah. except for the love of it. Well, you can um, put our hands really, up there. <laughs> yeah, and I really think that, you know, that's just amazing. Um, they just tirelessly continue to take creative photos and write really interesting reviews and share it across all sorts of platforms and make videos about books. And um, and I think that's a wonderful thing, but it is really also lovely to see how much authors appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and if we've got any listeners out there that uh, do put reviews out, I just need to say you're a legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out. Yes, definitely. <laughs> because our database would be empty if they didn't exist either. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely um, an, an amazing thing to do. And if anybody, what we're trying to get uh, some of our reviewers to do is to do an audio review. So if anyone has done mm. a review of one of the books, the Australian authors um, that are on the website, just read your Goodreads review out and we will record it and put it in the podcast. And that, at the moment, it's mostly my voice because, yes, sadly, I do read a lot of books. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, actually, because, I mean, I know that people are absolutely loving podcasts and listening to them more and more. So, yeah, the idea of an audio review, that's, that's another fantastic thing. Yeah. whole heap of more people finding out about books. That's it. Because, and they can just listen. They don't have to... Uh, don't have to worry about it. And they could just, you know, tell Siri or Google or whoever to, you know, buy that book for them. You could just keep your hands free completely these days. I'm not quite up to that, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> Teresa, where can people see you? Um, what's what's your website? Yes. So, um, yeah, in addition to the Australian Women yeah. Writers, I do have my own blog. Um, it's just Teresa Smith Writes. Mm-hmm. You put that into the Google bar or you'll find me. Um, yep. I'm Teresa Smith Writes on Facebook. And on Instagram and um, Twitter, I'm Tess Smith Writes because they had character limitations I and I couldn't spell my whole name out. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, you, you'll find me there. Um, and uh, that's all about book reviews because obviously with the Australian Women Writers, we're rounding up other people's reviews and listing them, but we don't actually publish reviews on the blog as such. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the other me where I actually publish all the reviews. Teresa, it doesn't necessarily start at the beginning of the year. Oh, no, it does start at the beginning of the year, but you don't have to wait until next oh, year no. to begin. No, really, we, we just say that people can sign up right up until December. There's probably no point in December because <laughs> we're wrapping everything up. Yep. But if you wanted to sign up, you know, in the last week in November and knock yourself out and, and start linking reviews, go for it. Yeah, very <laughs> we, good. we will have a lot of people, though. Yeah, and I and I've seen this um, just in the last month when I rounded up the historical fiction. We often have a lot of people who will join the challenge and then um, list reviews that they've written, you know, for the last year. Yes, right. And, and we'll, we'll see this great big insurgent 
of yep. you know, like 70 reviews from one person. We have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> want to do that. that is melt really the website. And we love you. And it, makes, you know, and it makes our numbers look great, but it's oh, also yeah. a level of enthusiasm that yes. we really appreciate. If someone's going to sit there and start linking their reviews of Australian women writers for, you know, the last year and, and swell our numbers like that, that just shows a level of enthusiasm. So let us know the web address. So if um, the web address is just, you know, your www.australianwomenwriterschallenge.com. Um, you can also find us on Twitter by just using the hashtag, hashtag AWW2021. We just refresh it with the new year each year. But if you put that hashtag in on Twitter, you will find us. Mm-hmm. And if you just look up Australian Women Writers Challenge on Facebook, you'll get to our main page. But I do encourage people to if they are interested in joining the challenge or they've joined the challenge but they haven't been um, in our group yet, if you look for the Love Reading Books by Aussie Women group on Facebook, you can uh, request to join and I will certainly let you in because we love (laughs) having people join. And if you are um, a writer who is looking for, you know, any kind of like tools for promotion and that sort of a thing, we have our Australian Women Writers News and Events group as well. It's a group too. So if you just search for those, you'll be able to come up and again request to join. Fantastic. Teresa, it has been amazing to chat to you there. Absolutely. I, I knew you would be fantastic. <laughs> so <laughs> much on the so website. <laughs> I've seen your your reviews come through. So we've been Thanks. talking with Teresa Smith, the historical fiction roundup editor, the face groups administrator, and the current team coordinator from the Australian Women's Writers Group. And a reviewer superstar. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's really been a lot of fun. Good. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure talking with you, Teresa. Yeah. And we very certainly much. didn't run out of anything to say. So thank no. you and uh, we will see all our listeners or we'll hear from all our listeners next time. Take care and bye for now. Take care, everybody. Thanks very much. See you later. Let's meet again. Magic happens. Australian Book Lovers acknowledges First Nations peoples and recognises their continuous connection to country, community and to culture. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and honour the sharing of traditional stories passed down through generations. We're committed to a safe and inclusive welcome for authors and readers of all cultures and backgrounds, including people of LGBTQIA communities and their families. <laughs>